Welcome to Beading Together, a way of being together while you bead, walk, drive, crochet, or wait for a call from your agent to say you got the lead role in a feature film. We're here to keep you company while you get into flow. So pour some tea, turn up the speakers, and join us and our invited guests at the virtual kitchen table where we will talk about life from birthing to the end and all things between. We are recording today on the traditional territory of the Chilquiac, the first people of the Chilliwack River watershed, one of the Halkamalem speaking tribes of the Stalo, the people of the river. As uninvited guests, we aim to walk gently on the land with respect for the sustainability of Chilquiac culture, lands, and families. We are grateful to be here today on their unceded traditional territory. Hi everyone, I'm Lisa Shepherd. I'm known as a Métis beading artist, but just like you, I'm many layered. I'm also a mom, a wife, an auntie, a jigger, and a volunteer committee member of Theatre BC's Indigenous Initiatives. In my heart, though, is a deep feeling of the responsibility I carry for future generations. Welcome to Episode 5, Storytelling Through the Lens where I'll be talking to Jordan Wanch and Rylan Friday, who are creating in film and digital media as they tell stories through the lens of Indigenous perspective. Now, these visual artists are creating film, yes, but they're also creating spaces of equity and reimagining the industry. Rylan Friday is Soto Ojibwe Plains Cree person, multidisciplinary director, curator, writer, and producer from Koti First Nation, Saskatchewan. His focus is to bring an honest discourse of LGBTQ2S plus and Indigenous representation to the big screen while being truthful to their own narratives. Currently, Rylan is in post-production on his short-form projects Looking for Tiger Lily, Musk, The Sound of You Collapsing, and in development with Unsettled Encounters with the Unknown, and is in production with Urban Inc. on Terror Forming with hopes of turning the project into a feature film. Jordan Wanch is co-producing Terror Forming with his newly found cousin Cole Van Dale. Jordan is a Vancouver-based Métis performing artist, public speaker and emerging filmmaker. He's a graduate of BCIT's film and television production program. Jordan has built a career as a professional camera operator and casting associate at Studio 3 Media. In 2019, he directed the project Sisters of Sorrow through Story Hive's first ever Indigenous Storyteller edition. And most recently, Jordan directed Shadow of the Rougarou, a limited series based on traditional Machif oral stories set for release this spring on APTN's streaming platform, Lumi, in which I had a teensy role to play on the crew and an even teensier role to play lying in the grass with special effects Rougarou gashes across my forehead. Hi, would you like to introduce yourselves? Yes, uh, my name is Ryland Friday. I'm originally from the Cody First Nation based out of Kamsak, Saskatchewan, and I'm currently residing on the stolen traditional lands and waters of the Sayotu with Musqueam and Squamish Nation, and I am a, just a, a curator, director, writer, producer. I wear many hats, including this tube that I'm wearing now, and <laughs> yeah, I'm just so uh, humbled to be here and just talk about in, indigeneity and art and just our film. 
We're so happy to have you. Thank you. And Jordan. Jordan Wanch. Hello, everyone. My name is Jordan Wanch. I am Métis, a member of Métis Nation BC. Families from in and around St. Albert, Alberta. I was born and raised in Silex Territory in the South Okanagan, and I've called the Coast Salish Territories home for the last 17 years. Uh, I'm a filmmaker, an actor, and a public speaker, and uh, I'm, I'm just excited to be here today to talk about creativity and uh, Indigenous uh, rise in film and television. So, oh yeah. Yeah, excellent. Welcome. So, I want to start at the start and go back to um, how you started on this journey. So just like, who was the high school Jordan and what was Ryland's aha moment that led you to this pathway of creating? That's uh, uh, for me, like I'm grew up in uh, Langley, BC most of my life. And that's where my family settled after we moved here in 97. and. Langley is not really the most pleasant place to be if you're not white and outside the norm, mm -hmm. just so to say. And I always knew that, like, I just looked at things completely different, like seeing the complete picture instead of the bigger picture and just kind of finding power within that and just making sure that, like, I'm retreating out of my shell, especially through, like, high school, because, like, I got like most of my like fellow like students were just complete jerks like they didn't actually refer to me by my name they called me the native or native it just like just as an object and yeah I just kind of felt like it was just like my place and like the fabric of like just this colonial town and the fabric of like this colonial society because like we had a conservative government at the time in the mid-2000s and as I got older, I just kind of realized that, like, I have so much to say and everyone just kind of, like, crapped on me about it. Just like, oh, you're just, like, a native that's just, like, causing a ruckus. And I'm like, yeah, so be it. And that's the mentality that I had to begin with. Like, and for me, like, I just felt that, like, I was always an artsy type. I'm always, like, carving out a cedar. I was writing and just showing appreciation for various art forms and of course uh, music as well, just that I don't play music, but I incorporate like a lot of like indie music and like tonalities into like my work. And of course, um, I felt that I wanted to do radio broadcasting out of BCIT from like 2011 to 2013, did some production work in New Zealand and just kind of fell out of love with it. And then by 2015, I just hit the ground running, moved to Victoria to work on a show for APTN for Barbara Hager's uh, 1491, um, the Untone Stories of the America. And I did the Indigenous Independent Digital Filmmaking Program out of Capilano University. And for me, like, I just felt like the program wasn't really up to, like, my standards and just the whole lateral violence and just, like, how disorganized it was at the time. I, I dropped out. And again, I had to just be self-taught and work my way up through the ropes and everything. And within that, I found power in my voice and my identity. And I just kept on shedding layers of like who I was and my former self, because like for me to be one of the many indigenous and gay filmmakers, if not like one of like the only in like the line of work that I do, yeah. it's amazing. And adds like a sense of humility because like I'm that person mm -hmm. that I needed when I was 14. Uh, yeah, similar to Rylan, I, I grew up uh, in 
in a, in a small town, even more rural than Langley, uh, from the South Okanagan. Uh, it's a, in a town called Oliver. Uh, okay. It's in between Soyuz near the border of the U.S. and Penticton. You can miss it very easily. Uh, <laughs> it, it's an agricultural town, lots of uh, orchards and, uh, and vineyards. Uh, great place to grow up. Uh, quiet, it's, it's little tones of racism there. Surprising for a town that is does have a large indigenous population, right, yeah. large uh, uh, Sikh and Hindu population, and Portuguese. Uh, uh, so I've always found it very weird that it just must, it's a small town thing. Uh, but uh, yeah, I was a very artsy kid as, kid as well, and uh, I'm you know I'm a child of the '90s, and uh, I always had a camcorder. You know the little camcorders <laughs> that had like. TV tapes yes. and the little TV tapes. So I was constantly making movies with my friends, uh, but uh, you know we didn't ha- know how to edit, so it was just like you had to do it. <laughs> There's like no going back. So a mistake was made. That was just part of the film. Uh, I, I also, you know, was very artsy, but also like there wasn't a lot of. Uh, uh, in, in the smaller town, it was more about sports and whatnot. Uh, yeah. uh, so I didn't quite fit in too well. And I, I knew I had to leave at some point. So I, I hitchhiked out of town at 18 when I worked at the oil fields for a while and then ended up in Vancouver and just wanted to get into the, the film industry. And, uh, you know, tried and failed for years and years uh, as an actor. Uh, went to school at, uh, at uh, Capilano University. It was a college at the time. Uh, and they said to change your university. And, uh, you know, got into the theater program there and then went out and just worked as an actor. And after a while, just was kind of, you know, I, I wanted to tell my own stories and help other people tell their own stories as well. Uh, and, um, you know, with some encouragement from my mother, hi, Alana, if you're, if you're listening <laughs> out there, uh, to, she's like, you could always go back to school. You can always come back to acting. And I was like, that's true. Uh, so I took the... Uh, the television broadcast program at BCIT. That's where I met Rylan. And uh, Rylan was in the radio broadcast at the time. Buildings were right beside each other. And um, yeah, it was was an amazing experience. And I'm so thankful to go. Uh, Learned so much. And it helped me develop a film career that, you know, currently Rylan and I are collaborating on a a short film right now. I've directed a series, a limited series for APTN. Uh, You know, it it was a really great experience. And uh, you know, it, it really opened my eyes about, you know, working within community. I was really involved with the, the Indigenous uh, Centre there, uh, the Gathering Place, and uh, had lots of great mentors there. Um, I, I apprenticed as a firekeeper at the Sweat Lodge on campus, and uh, I met tons of other uh, First Nations and, and Métis uh, filmmakers through that program, and, and it really sparked, you know, wanting to connect that community through film and television, and it's something that I'm really working towards today. Uh, so yeah, that was that's where high school Jordan jumped all the way up to. Excellent. And so I'm curious from both of you, and you know maybe I'm projecting a little here, but um, school was it easy, hard, kind of indifferent? Like how how were you as students in school? And I and I like to add this in because you know we've got listeners of all ages, and you know so often people go through school feeling like it's not it's not for them or they don't fit or what's wrong, right? And yet I see you know you both being really successful with what you're doing. Yeah, for me, like BCIT, like I actually did like two years of prerequisite to Kwantlen and I was just trying to find like my place and what I wanted to do. And I, the radio program, like definitely gravitated towards me. And I remember it was just like a huge shouting match with like my mom and like my late Mm. stepdad or just my dad in general. And they were just like, well, you need like, I didn't really believe in the arts and found it like very Mm. profitable, but for them, like it 
been very, 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 they were just like, for them, they wanted me to like live comfortably. <laughs> and I, they wanted me to go to the military, which is so not me. Oh, <laughs> <Just dance>. like, <laughs> well, and it's interesting know. because living comfortably to me is like as much about how happy am I getting up every morning and facing the day as it is like, you know, what's in the bank account, right? I mean, it, sure. there's a balance. Exactly, exactly. And I was like, military, I don't need more trauma. (laughs) (laughs) And I know I went for the program and convinced my mom. And yeah, just for me, like, for me, it was the first year was just like me kind of retreating within myself because like my grandfather passed away, which was I was very connected to and just like he was like a huge like patriarch within the family. And yeah, he passed away by mid July before I went into the program. And of course, like about two and a half week, three weeks after my stepsister unfortunately committed suicide. Oh, and so she sorry. was just like one of my best friends. And for me, it was just like a lot of like stuff that I had to work through. And then by <laughs> the end of like the first year, I was just kind of like contemplating, should I do this? And I'm gonna do it. And then by the second year, like the year, like I actually just did it and I just hit the ground running and I was like more myself and like more level-headed and just like coming out like what trauma or just like what kind of like emotions of grief I was feeling and navigating and just kind of made like some art of that. Jordan, now when I, when you were doing Shadow of the Ruguru, I'll talk about this for a second. Well, first of all, Shadow of the Ruguru now terraforming. Am I detecting a genre? Oh yeah, we're uh, (laughs) we're, we're into the horror stuff. (laughs) So, so I was so impressed with how you did the onboarding with the this is how we do it here startup package. In particular, uh, you know, you you tackled diversity and, and you had a diversity and decolonial plan and pathways and protocols section. And I didn't know that anybody was, you know, had startup packages like that in film and television. And I was just so blown away. Are, have you done something like that with is that being done with terraforming? Oh yeah, bottom dollar. Yeah, tell me more about that, or, or explain it to our listeners what that's all about, because I was so excited to see that. Yeah, it's mostly just within like our mandate, and because like what Jordan was kind of reiterating is that like we are part of like the Indigenous Renaissance, and that's just more representation bubbling up to the surface, and more of individuals like us being just speaking up and out. And for us, it just like, it's for our way to like make sure that like our set is like inclusive and we acknowledge every facet of like one's being and just to make a safer space for everyone. Like for me, like it's great and it's important that like even if you are indigenous or non to just be informed and in the loop of like how we're gonna handle the logistics and like HR perspective and just to make sure that people feel comfortable like if anything is just like running a tight ship and just making sure that we don't tolerate like trash, transphobia, racism, ableism, like neurodivergent and, or just like any disparaging remarks against like ableism or like that. Now sexism and just homophobia, like yeah. just like trash and anything. And just be a good human. That's be a good like, human being. Exactly. That's the root of all this. And we come from this industry, you know, the film industry is kind of based on the military, like the structure of it. And, you know, I there's like those at the that. top 
the top of the line, the producers, directors, they, you know, they can say and do anything they want. We've seen this in the media with Hollywood, some of the yeah. downfall of how people have been treated, whether it's people going on tantrums or people being inappropriate, yeah. uh, people being racist. And, uh, you know, by putting these kind of plans together from shared experiences, we want to change that for the better. And I, I think we're, it's not just us. This is a whole movement that's happening within cinema, television, media broadcast. And, uh, you know, it, I, I think we're just on that verge of change that where this will become the norm, not just on indigenous sets, but all sets eventually. I hope that's that's. I oh, hope that's that would it. be amazing. I mean, honestly, like I feel like any organization could be hearing what you're saying and could be applying it to to what they do, because I really think that that the the thing that was really valuable about that is it happened right off the get go, like the very first conversation that happened in the the planning, the the pre-production, pardon me if I don't use the right terms, but was right away like this is how we do it here. And these are these are the protocols. Um, what else needs to be done? Like when you talked about the way that there's you know, somebody at the top and like there's that top down structure that isn't the way that that we tend to do things in indigenous circles and circle being the you know, the key word there. Um, Jordan, I found certainly working with you is that it was like being a part of the circle where everybody had a part to play in it and and nobody was seen to be lesser than. What else, what are other really specific ways that that the industry could decolonize? Well, changing, changing your language and how we can rephrase it. Just Give me an example. Uh, mostly just like, I know, like I don't say crew members, I say community. And for ah. me, like don't really say that like for me i just say like i'd have like a no a-hole policy on like my set like we're literally like there's no reason to get mad about like spilled milk even if it's a prop it's a little joke i have and just how <laughs> like we're just making a movie and then we're not brain we're done not doing like yeah. the science or brain surgery and i know that like you're passionate but like you need to treat people with kindness and respect 100%. and i say i'm part of this journey and you're with me we're on the same even level playing field and if there's that type of like inkling of like hierarchy or like colonial mentalities or if you're being just aggressive or mean to other people within our project you're out of here right and that's why ral and i get along so well we're very much on that same level and we want to treat everybody with respect because we've been in positions where we weren't treated with respect or it's expected. Yeah. Kind of like, you know, it's kind of like the military, right? You're not the, the, the private soldier is not expected to have a say or to, to have respect. So like everybody, you know, regardless of uh, what the position on the film, we're all working on this together. And just like Rylan said, we're not doing brain surgery. We're not curing cancer. We're making art, right? Yes. And, and, and things go wrong. Right? I was you, just going to say, and you know what? And mistakes are going to be made because exactly. we're, we're, we're human, we're imperfect. Mistakes are going to be made, but it's about having that humility to take a look at our own actions and to see, you know, where the mistake was made and, and to do better. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I think, uh, you know, especially in our sets, we try to uh, acknowledge the land that we're working on and also bring either, you know, a community leader or an elder knowledge keeper to come and start off our productions in a good way. So I think I, it really, feel, connects, really connects the, the team. Yeah. And I feel like there's a huge appetite right now for Indigenous perspectives. Like we have a lot of catching up to do after a few hundred years of colonizing. And I really feel like the world is in need of our stories. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Like this, this is like in the past like five years, 
I, this is the most indigenous content I've seen coming out of the forefront and more so on the Vanguard because I know like seeing harmful connotations of like Indian in the cupboard like for me right. that just seems like no matter where you are in the fabric of like modern society indigenous people should and all as well have to know their place if not if they step out of line they will be put back and that's changing and especially with Pocahontas and just like that they just like that whole like tragedy of her life and how that got like appropriatized into like a fairy tale and just, yeah, she was a little girl. I mean, it's yeah, she was know, like it's the story of a pedophile, and you know, even her her name was changed. Like her name wasn't kind even like Pocahontas. The, she was so disregarded. Well, it's kind of like the Gassy Jack. We have our own version in Vancouver. You know, yeah. If, if people are familiar with the statue that's been brought down, similar type situation. Young girl, older man. The man was created as a folk hero for uh, right. Vancouver's downtown core. Yeah. So what are uh, Flipping this round, as Indigenous creators, what do each of you think that your your greatest gift is that you have to give or that you've given? For me, it's storytelling. <laughs> like, it's nice to just like know that I'm tapping more into that because the scripts I write, whether it's for terraforming, for the sound of you collapsing, it's just I bring this sense of like vividness imagery and just like how you can just like you're reading it and you can feel everything. It's visceral. And for me, like I'm glad I had the radio broadcast program. Like for me, it was effective because Indigenous people are storytellers. And for me to tap into that, like and that which is already like bestowed within me being passed down from generations and using and just like writing scripts based from radio and then transferring that into like a visual medium and learning more about that in my time at Capilano University before I dropped out like I wasn't sure but it's one of those things that like I'm glad because my scripts set me apart from like everyone else in this industry. Uh, I'd say uh, for me uh, I've, I've just been so humbled and honored just to have the ability to work in the arts uh it's been something i've always struggled to get into and it slowly as time has gone on it, it started starting to happen and making more connections and that's the key thing is that it's been connections it's been being good to other people and then getting to work with them again because we made that 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 community and i and i and i i think that uh you know rylan and i working together we've provided opportunities for emerging filmmakers uh experienced filmmakers people who have never worked in the industry uh, our projects are getting more uh, community built, right? And those people go on to probably make their own projects. Uh, you know, I, I, the project I directed to this summer, Shadow of the Rougarou, it's a, it's a project based on Métis history. And, uh, you know, from start to finish, we had 25 Métis people working on it. That's the most Métis people I've ever seen on a set. I've, I've, I've worked with more in community events, but uh, never in the film industry. Maybe there's one or two Machif people. Right. So for me, like the thing is just being able to uh, give back once I've had the opportunity to, and that's just started in the last couple of years to be able to, I should be like, hey man, I can, I can hire you. Uh, <laughs> I'd, I'd like to pay you back for giving me a chance, one, you know, in the past, so. Jordan, talk a little bit about the responsibility that you that you carry with telling a story like Shadow of the Rougarou. Oh man, there's so much responsibility. I don't want to get it wrong. <laughs> what does that mean? What does that mean? You don't want to get it wrong. You know, uh, the story is based on the Rougarou, which is, uh, you know, it, it's a combination of, you know, the Windigo uh, 
a cannibal ice monster story from Algonquin territory and also the loop guru from French uh, speaking. And just as loop guru being uh, a, a werewolf, yes. essentially. So essentially, you know, First Nations and Europeans uh, storytelling combined, uh, which is kind of an ethnogenesis similar to the Métis people developing their own culture. Um, it's a communal story and is different from region to region. And I was really careful uh, to do work with elders uh, and community leaders just to make sure that uh, I wasn't saying, hey, this is the official telling of the Ruger story because it's definitely not. Uh, there's a responsibility in that because uh, definitely some auntie or so, some cook from somewhere is going to be like, that's not what I heard, you know? So, uh, you know. And, and that's why I asked this question because I feel like, like a lot of non-Indigenous folks don't probably know like what uh, uh, a line we have to walk with the way we tell our stories. Like we have to be responsible to the viewer, but we also have to be responsible to to our culture, responsible to our elders, you know, with the way that we tell those stories. And I think a lot of people don't realize that, like it's not an easy position to, to necessarily no, be in. It's a lot of extra work. And, and, you know, in the colonial plan of filmmaking, there's kind of a structure. There was never budgeting or room to work with elders or to do, you know, to do land acknowledgements. And uh, it, it's a responsibility that we take on. And I think Rylan yeah. uh, knows exactly what I'm talking about because we've done it many times. And it's important that those elders, that they're being taken care of too, because the old way of doing things, you know, was you made sure that the elders got fed. But I don't know. I've never seen anybody deliver like a buffalo or a moose to our elders because they've helped out with a project like this, right? So, I mean, by today's ways of being today's standards, we need to make sure that, that our elders can put a roof over their heads, that they can keep food on the table, right? And we need to look after them that way. Very important. Uh, I, I, before I had something about having knowledge keepers and elders in the budget and somebody that was not familiar who was like, what? That's so much money. I was yeah. like, well, the, it's, it's important and we got to make that change. Yeah, well, I'm I'm so impressed with seeing the way that you did things so carefully. And, you know, I, I just think that it's... Um, it's a great way to set an example. So tell me a little bit about terraforming. How, how much can you tell us about that first without off, getting yourself into trouble? Yeah. First off, I want to say we're probably like, what are we, Rylan, like two weeks away from filming? Don't remind me. Terraforming was birthed from just me exercising so many things like, of course, like for me, like I was so burnt out from working with Viff with her Callus mentorship program. And I remember that I was just so burnt out that I took like, like probably not appropriate to say, but I took a little edible gummy. <laughs> No, just like a little baby one. And I listened to a song called Warned You by Good Morning on repeat for three hours. And I expanded upon like this feeling of just this, like it's calm, it's chill, it's mellow, it's soothing. But at the same time, just I felt this heaviness in my chest and I just expanded upon this. And I just kind of honored that. And I just wanted to create like a very minimalistic horror film of like two characters two locations like one is inside like a vehicle and then another one inside which takes place in majority in the cabin and what I was able to achieve was creating like a unique character study between like a gay interracial couple like one's indigenous another one is a settler and just like filming that and just coming into that mentality of like shooting this as like a one continuous shot 
type feel of stitching points okay. just to get that tension between like both the characters and how unnerving that is but uh, adding like the supernatural element of like the main character parker who is dealing with like being with the trauma of like being back to their home community and there's so many things he's keeping from his boyfriend and like once the boyfriend leaves to go get supplies then that's when like things start ramping up with the supernatural element and for me it was just like me having this fascination with shapeshifters wendigos and skinwalkers and there's been stories of like that from my res on the cody first nation and i just wanted to create something that like honored that but i created the character this creature that was so ambiguous and you never see it but you know there's something there okay and yeah and it just like for me i didn't really appropriateize it and just create it so ambiguous which is actually the less the audience knows and just as much as the audience knows as much as the character it's actually a lot more terrifying <laughs> and everyone who's read the script from various iterations has said like your script actually gave me anxiety oh wow perfect that's just, the goal. just what i want <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. and it just creates i just created like this whole like thing of just like using very like sound design and just like just like it you're pretty much like seeing like this slice of life in real time and just like the tension and parker must determine if it's his paranoia or anxiety bubbling up to the surface or if it's something more sinister and this is based off like a very niche subculture subgenre of like filmmaking called mumblecore okay. and it's mostly focusing on the human element of storytelling and just like how as human beings we're a lot more terrifying and it's mostly mm. focused on like people in their early 20s early 30s and it's dialogue heavy it's character driven and it's like something that's happening but like nothing's happening at the same time and it's like a lot of like witty banter and it just breaks it with like a lot of like humor but you know there's something there is it quite nuanced then yeah it okay. pretty much is and i would love to like share the script with you eventually oh. too and so you can like get like a nice sneak peek or maybe we can keep you waiting till like oh wow oh i'd love to see the script and yeah. for, the, for those listening uh, all just uh rylan wrote it and he's directing it oh wow yeah, yeah. and uh uh, Ryland, you, you you missed one of the craziest parts is that it's all shot in one shot. Yeah, I just, I don't know. There's so many things I could talk about this project. Yeah. And for me, like, yeah, it just, it's going to be shot in like one continuous shot type feel to get like that whole, like, just rawness in real time. All so the so at the beginning of this, like, what is, like, how long is it? What is the goal? Like right now, what? 20 minutes straight. So 20 like minutes straight. Wow. But it's a tracking shot. So it's where you, like, usually when you film, you film different angles and then cut it together in the editing room. So this one is one continuous 20 minutes. So we, we, we travel and we end up in different locations. Wow. So the camera travels with the actors. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm just like thinking like, could I do anything for 20 minutes without making a mistake? <laughs> well, it's kind of- <laughs> Like anything, kinda, right? It's kind of almost equivalent to uh, like a theater production. Like once right, it's going, yeah. going. So the actors gotta be doing their best. <laughs> so do, do, sorry for my my ignorance on this, but in a case like that, do the actors is there some improving that ends up happening? Um, no, not no. so much. Like since it's like it's like theater play, so everything needs to be cemented, and like once it's like cemented in the script, like nothing can change. Well, and I have to say, I I I really want to share what I 
got to pre- so a, a lifetime ago I did a lot of theater and yeah. I got the chance to participate every well almost every year in uh, theater BC's new playwriting festival which right. they would hire actors and and so that was the um, the role that I had was as an actor to work along with professional directors and the playwrights to workshop their script and so I had the opportunity to be able to witness how much a playwright will agonize over a word you know is this the right word okay let's see that deliver that again with that word no that takes us in different direct how about this word and like you know the amount of agonizing over a single word because it has a different feel a different tone a different nuance and it brings a whole new respect to the job of an actor and actually to the writers because you know you need to get it right because there's real intention in those words absolutely and i am so fortunate enough to work with like both my actors, Sasha Mark and Josh Dowie, and I consult with them numerous times. And ever since I started working with them almost a month ago, the script has gone through like minor dialogue changes because for me, like what sets this project apart is that I have a radio broadcast background. So for me, like dialogue comes natural, it comes easy and it's so jarring to see like, dialogue that feels like real and just not like stiff or like cookie cutter like it's right. just like it flows like a normal conversation especially the witty banter and for them to like just talk to me about like certain lines of dialogue and this is how they would say it and just like catering it to their own voice and like owning that role it's just a collaborative process and I'm really fortunate to have them on board and just be open and communicate with me. Like, actually, I don't think the character would say like this. I would say like this with the same context. And it just makes things so much better and it elevates it so much, especially with that type of like, like just the type of relationship I want to portray on screen with the characters and just that whole like natural, authentic place that I just want to portray. And I would expect you would get that kind of collaboration when you start from the point of view of community instead of crew, right? Because a crew isn't going to speak up and say, hey, you know, this should be different, but a community member will. Yeah, it's, it's funny. It. Like I, I, I approach like directing as from a whole holistic uh, approach. During our first uh, rehearsal, I made a bunch of soup and, and I had a little salad and I'm like, okay, boys, like, we're just going to get to know each other. We're going to have dinner. And we smudged and I just laid down the groundwork of like my insecurities, my vulnerabilities and offering that safe space and just adding like doing tarot cards and like pendulum reads since I'm also like spiritually gifted as well. And they felt so I was a little witchy. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> definitely, definitely. And just for me to like just make it feel like a home for both of them right away. And we can just talk about like how our days are going and just like and just like recenter ourselves and be like, okay, like if you're not having a good day and this is what you're dealing with today, or just like what had happened, this is how we can support you. Like there's no judgment here, no egos. And they both really trust me. And to be honest, for me to like build up that type of like foundation and connection with both these actors, like they're just not people I'm working with. They're friends now. And it's so nice to just like, just work and play and we can all joke. And I know that like out of everyone in this project, besides like me and Cole, me, Sasha and Josh will have like a song, a strong connection going to this project because like 
I was able to help alleviate any barriers of communication and just open them up completely and just be like, hey, critique me. If you have an issue with me, just say it. If not, if there's anything that like I need to learn, say it. And just mm -hmm. being really open in that regard that they can come to me about anything. It's great. That takes some humility. Jordan, yeah. I've got a question for you. You you said jokingly around, Rylan's a little witchy, and then we all had a little chuckle. But like I want to come back around to that a little bit because there is the like people who are very intuitive are very connected and have you actually seen that with him in his work? Oh, 100%. Yeah. It's, it's all steeped in this project. And it's happening even outside of the project. Outside, give, can, are you able to give an example? Uh, oh. if, if you're not careful, he's going to do a tarot reading for us right now. Oh. So. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. I know. I just go with my intuition. Mm -hmm. And of course, just bringing that type of like medicine to like my projects and just that gifts because that's who I am. Like, just that indie filmmaking just that indie darling who's witchy and who's indigenous and just sets me apart in so many levels that was unintentional but yeah like there's been times where i read jordan and pulled to filth just out of the blue and i'm just there's like kid you not i'm like there's a time and place i'm like yeah it's now <laughs> uh should also mention we've we've mentioned uh cole vandale a couple times yes. uh, nope no he's an intro uh he's producing this project as well i'm, I'm also a producer uh, and uh, Cole is my, my, my distant Métis cousin. Yeah, so tell me about that. Tell me about that discovery. Well, we, we, we've run into each other through different circles, just similar like Rylan and I, uh, different, different Indigenous groups, different film groups. And uh, Cole was invited onto the project by Rylan uh, after, uh, just near the tail end of our time with Crazy Eights. And uh, Cole and I, uh, you know, we knew each other. We both knew we were Métis. Uh, this was, we wanted to work together, but we finally found a project that we could work on it, which is awesome. Cole's been a great addition to this uh, trio. And um, him and I were like, I was like, Cole's a Vandale, my great grandma's a Vandale. And uh, I was like, you know, we we should probably check this out. We're <laughs> both from, our families are both from Alberta. Uh, so we whipped out the family charts and went like, ah, there we go. Yes, we are related. So it's it's been cool to have some family on this project Yeah, the too. quintessential Métis experience, right? Co you know, comparing your family trees and, and finding those links because you're, you know, undoubtedly a cousin to somebody in the room for sure. 100%. Yeah, well, I look forward to hearing how... Um, how the relationship grows like the and the create the creativity grows along with the relationship because i think that that's that's really fantastic so what would be your best piece of advice to give to our young listeners say who are wanting a career in in film and digital media Ooh, that's a good one uh, I'd yeah, say, i just thought i'd throw it at you you know so, so like obviously i i i do believe that education is important but that's not always available to everybody Fair, so yeah. if, if that, and also some people, that's not a, the perfect learning environment for them, depending on where you're at, how old you are. Sometimes it's better to go to school later. I'm a later in life school person that I yeah. found that was for me. I wasn't mature enough when I was younger. Um, but maybe some people. I'm not mature school. enough now. Yeah, exactly. Right. You never know. <laughs> maybe you're still going to school in a little bit, right? I mean, <laughs> everybody's different, but I'd say education is important, but. Also, depending if you if you're kind of just figuring out your thing, getting real hands-on experience. Uh, you know, there's a you know the good the good people in the industry are offering mentorships with no hidden costs or no hidden agendas. It's just right. they they know what it's like to 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 uh, 
want to be in the industry and experience it. And even on this project, we, we brought on some people already that uh, are new to the industry. Uh, and uh, hopefully that, that helps them learn some more and hopefully encourages them. Maybe they'll decide they want to be in it. Maybe they don't. A lot of people will learn that right when they actually work on a set. So, so how do you find those people, though? Like, uh, like, I'm, like so I'm a, a young person trying to get my start. How am I going to find those people that are given those opportunities? You know, uh, that's interesting. Um, uh, for at least what I like, uh, for Shadow of the Rougarou, I connected with Métis Nation BC and said, hey, we want to offer some mentorship positions. Yeah. So they did a call out to Métis Youth BC. So, yeah. you know, uh, the the filmmakers themselves can put that initiative out. But, you know, we've, we've also had people approach us. We had a couple individuals approach us wanting to do some PA work on terraforming. And uh, Ryan and I had a meeting with one of the gentlemen yesterday. He's new to the industry, just started film school, and uh, I think it'll be a good fit for him. So And so you get so you get young people who respond to those calls, and then what kinds of things can they do on the production? Just it's more so just like opening, just making sure we're not gatekeeping as Indigenous people because right. it's like community mindset. And of course, like, like for me, it, this is like, I think this is where me and Jordan differ. Like I'm a film school dropout. And when anyone asks me like, should I go to film school? I say no. But again, everyone is so different because my journey is unique. What might not work for, what might work for me will not work for them, so to speak. But like, for me, it's just, just allowing yourself to like, give yourself like time because it's such a negative and harmful mentality that you can have for yourself to compare yourself to like other people who have gone through the ropes right. of film school and like have successful projects and realizing that you're just in the infancy of your career. It's mm -hmm. like, I tell people that like everyone's on their own timeline, things will come for those who wait mm -hmm. and you honor and respect that and just work hard. So the, so the auntie in, in me hears you say that, and I feel like having a certain amount of self-awareness is really good, and yeah. just to know that you're good. Wherever you are is where you're supposed to be, and exactly. if you want to do something, jump in and do it. And if school feels like the right thing for you, you know, if, if that's your wheelhouse, then that's definitely an advantage, but if not, like, that's okay, too, you know? 100%. Yeah. And even like, like me, I said earlier, like show up like you belong, right? Know that exactly. you belong. Exactly. And for me to be 25 and 24 drop out of film school, I thought I failed as a person. Then I realized, no, this is what I wanted because it wasn't working for me. Just put yourself out there. Make those yeah. solid connections. Just don't squander them. Say yes to opportunities and be willing and be open to failing more so than succeeding because that's going to be happen. That's yeah. going to happen and learn to have a healthy relationship with people saying no. Yes. Oh, yeah. You don't have and, to say yes to everything. Yeah. And do not bite off more than you can chew. So, so hang on. So Rylan said, be okay with others saying no. But then Jordan, you came in with, and you don't have to say yes to everything. So it's yeah. both ways, right? That no is an okay word, well, <laughs> either to like, hear it or to say like, it. What Rylan was saying, I've seen this in a lot of people too. Myself, I've done it. I think a lot of us have done it where you're like, you don't want to say no because you don't want to lose any opportunities. Oh, so then yeah. you make a bunch of shit, then you fail on them all. I right. mean, there's a lesson in that too, right? Right, yes. Yeah, absolutely. Gosh, and I still do that. Really, yeah. I'm still guilty of that. Yeah, and my very best friends are the ones that remind me that it's, you know, like it's okay to step right. back. Absolutely. And for me, it's just one of those things that like, I just, knowing, knowing, uh, well, 
just knowing who your sense of community is and your support and just navigating various possibilities in this industry, whether it's racism, homophobia, like nepotism and all the other isms. It's just making sure that you are building a solid foundation for yourself because like that's what I had to do. Like being openly gay and indigenous in this colonial industry, especially within arts in general, I had the odds stacked against me and mm. I'm glad that I can be that mentor and role model for people who, who need it. And just mentorship, mentorship, mentorship and offering those and just like, I like to say like I'm the metaphysical locations manager where I like to leave places better when I found it. Like it's a thing within the location <laughs> film is just like, okay, we're filming this place. We gotta leave it a hundred percent times more better than that's what I like to do with like places I go to and like leave a lasting impact and my legacy and just being that auntie that is gonna support everyone and just gonna be everyone's cheerleader. So that so so I'm I'm sitting here snickering away because that leaving the place better than you found it is absolutely a scout thing. And yeah. I'm thinking as I hear that, like, are you listening, Scouts Canada? Like, this is how we can do things better, right? Yeah, yeah, because yeah. totally totally. it's totally like, you know, you're you're doing, I just want to pause for a moment, like the work that you're doing, it's brave work. And you're, you've, I know that you've unpacked a lot, and it hasn't been easy. And this work that's being done it's important you're opening doors for others so that they can, you know, rise to their greatest potential. And but that's come at a cost to you. And so I just wanted to pause and just acknowledge that, that, you know, it does, it comes at a cost doing this work. And so I think that like both of you, you're doing such brave work to be doing this. It's funny. It's funny that I just love what I'm doing that it never feels like work. <laughs> like Right on. Yeah. <laughs> Like sometimes I just turn to Jordan and Cole and other people and I'm just like, hey guys, we're looking for a dead deer carcass. And I'm just saying, like, I have the weirdest job. <laughs> I get those calls. I get the call from the side of the road that goes, there's a porcupine. What do I need to do to get you the quills? <laughs> so yeah, I get I get what you're saying. Well, this is fantastic. Is there anything else that that either of you would like to add? What about projects that are up and running right now? Where can they go oh. to see? We got some stuff going on. Okay. Uh, I, I, I have a limited series with APTN coming out on their streaming uh, service, Lumi, and uh, it will be out May 9th, which is really exciting. Just by chance, May 9th is uh, is the anniversary of the Battle of Batash, which is uh, a quite important uh, battle in Métis history and the Northwest Resistance. So it was kind of fitting uh, for that will be the release day. So. And so that's that's for Shadow of the Ruguru, yes? Shadow of the Ruguru, yeah. And Jordan, that starts, so just briefly explain, like, that starts off as this, and then it ends up turning into something oh, not, bigger, right? Like, does uh, it not start it's off as, as... Oh, we plan, it, right right now it's a limited series, so there are, like, uh, there's uh, six eight-minute episodes. Right, that's what I'm trying to get to, yeah. That's kind of our, our, what we'd like to pitch that as a series for the future. Right, got it, okay. Yes. Okay, and there's a lot of, like big series that started off doing exactly that right yeah so you know baby steps always <laughs> gotta do the long game you're gonna get there it's gonna get there it has to it's wanted it's needed right so everybody will will put the link in the show details go and check it out and and uh yeah we're gonna heck yeah uh, rylan has a movie celebrate out with you well. yeah which yeah. one's that 
Um, my feature film is called Portraits in a Fire, and uh, Trevor Mack uh, wrote and directed it, and me and Kate Kroll were the producers. And it's uh, currently on um, video on demand and streaming platforms. Okay. I know it'll be on Crave TV soon by like mid spring. I want to say April, but don't quote me on that. I know it's currently on TELUS, Bell, Rogers, and iTunes and like Google Play. And it's making the rounds within some local film festivals as well. I know it's going to be playing in the Fort Langley Film Festival on March nice. 12th. Nice. At around p.m. I just that's all I know so far. But if there's any details, I can definitely send it to you as well. I was well. just going to ask you that. Can you send me the details so we can share it out? Absolutely. Fantastic. Uh, just wrapping up two projects, and Musk and the Sound of You Collapsing. And yeah, just eager to have that out in the festival circuit soon. And if it doesn't work out, then I just post it online. So either way, it's going to be great. Main focus is uh, terraforming and two weeks. Two weeks and. Yeah, it's going to be fun. It's going to be psychotic and it's going to be just a whole roller coaster. Like, it's going to be great. Like, this project is technically a proof of concept. And we're going to turn this, uh, we're going to turn this into a feature film with the same type of like one shot type feel. Fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. Hey, and, in, and to any listeners of the podcast, uh, you know, the youth out there who are interested in getting into filmmaking, get a hold of us. Be- Maybe we can work something out and get you some experience on set. Just give a show. Okay, you guys, there's your chance. It's not a <laughs> chance that comes along all the time. Take them up on it. These are good, good people here. Yeah, right excellent. Thank, thank you for that. For having us. Yeah, I'm so happy that you're able to be here. Thank you both. Very grateful. Right be on. well. Look forward to seeing you on the big screen. <laughs> <laughs> all right, take care. All right, Marcy. See you. Watch. This has been Episode 5 of Beating Together, Storytelling Through the Lens. Thanks to our guests, Rylan Friday and Jordan Wanch. Marcy to you, our listeners. Beating Together is produced and edited by Aaron Dawson. Audio engineer, Matthew Jansen. Our theme music was composed by Métis actress and musician, Alexa Berard. Our podcast artwork was designed by Métis graphic designer, Emma Grant. This podcast was made possible through funding from Métis Nation BC.